Welcome to Words to Live By, a podcast series hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Each week, we will share some of the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan. In essence, Words to Live By, made up of radio addresses and speeches he delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. Because of the war in the Middle East, we thought it would be a good idea to devote today's podcast to Israel, focusing on the radio addresses written by Ronald Reagan before entering the Oval Office. So remember, he wrote these on a yellow pad without the oversight of a foreign policy advisor, without a Secretary of Defense or Secretary of State or National Security Advisor hanging over his shoulder. These, from the late 1970s, came from his own pen. And there are two excellent ones, quite different from each other, but nevertheless insightful. One entitled Palestine and the other Brezhnev. Overall, the politics of the Middle East was not the subject of many of his radio broadcasts in the late 70s. Of course, as soon as he became president, Ronald Reagan met with Prime Minister Menachem Begin early in his administration and clearly defined America's role and, moreover, his objective, focusing on peace. United States stands ready to help advance the peace process in any way that is useful to the parties concerned. In our discussions about these strategic situation in the Middle East, it's only natural that we found much common ground. As friends and as partners in peace, we share a determination to oppose all forces that threaten the freedom, integrity, and peace of our nations. The United States will remain committed to Israel's security and well-being. We'll work together with you and with our other friends in the region to counter Soviet aggression and to strengthen the security of all the countries in the area. Speaking of Soviet aggression, it was the Brezhnev Doctrine that threatened democracies across the globe. Israel was no exception. Back in 1977, March 1977, 46 years ago, General Secretary of the Soviet Union Leonid Brezhnev accused the United States of using the issue of human rights to interfere in Soviet internal affairs. He said it was unthinkable that the Soviet-United States relations could develop normally on such a basis. Well, those comments raised the ire of former Governor Reagan, who immediately penned this after hearing Brezhnev suggest that Israel should withdraw her military forces from all the territory she took in the Six-Day War 10 years prior in 1967. And Israel should return it to the Arabs, according to Brezhnev. So in short time, the former governor wrote this entitled Brezhnev. Let's listen. There was another part to Mr. Brezhnev's recent speech on human rights that deserves more coverage than it received from our press. I'll be right back. On March 21st, Soviet Communist Party chief Leonid Brezhnev made a speech warning the President of the United States to lower his voice on the subject of human rights. He, of course, received worldwide coverage. Indeed, we could all be excused if we thought that's all he talked about. It wasn't. He had things to say about the Middle East, and frankly, if a man biting a dog is more newsworthy than a dog biting a man, then the world press missed the real news in his speech. In introducing the subject of the Middle East, Brezhnev sounded as if a reconvening of the Geneva Conference on the Arab-Israeli stalemate might be in order. Then, speaking for the Soviet Union, which co-chairs the Geneva Conference, he outlined what his country considers essential to a peaceful settlement between Arabs and Israelis. He said, quote, we hold in particular that the final document should be based on the principle of, now hear this, 
the impermissibility of acquisition of territory by war, unquote. He then went on to say that Israel should withdraw her military forces from all the territory she took in the Six-Day War back in 1967, and, of course, return that territory to the Arabs. This, to be sure, is one of the bones of contention in the present stalemate, and could raise among us Americans a question of why not? After all, we fought two world wars, were victorious in both, and never asked for or took so much as a square inch of anyone else's territory. But we'd be pretty naive if we applied that yardstick to Israel in the present situation. The real issue in the Middle East had to do with the Arab refusal to recognize that Israel has a right to exist as a nation. To give up the buffer zones Israel took in the Six-Day War could be to put cannon on her front walk aimed at her front door by those who said she must be destroyed. But let's take a look at those other words of Mr. Brezhnev. He's telling us the Soviet Union does not believe any nation has the right to hold territory seized by force of arms. Well, let's play what if. What if the United States said to Israel, you give back that territory to your Arab neighbors and we'll enter into a treaty with you, a mutual aid pact that says if you're attacked, we come to your aid. Don't go away. There's more to come if we're playing what if. Then we say to the Soviet Union, by way of Mr. Brezhnev, quote, you, of course, must get out of Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, which you seized by force of arms, unquote. And come to think of it, that means turning loose Finland, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Bulgaria, East Germany, and Romania. As a matter of fact, there are some islands north of Japan and some territory in Mongolia you occupy only because you joined the fight against Japan 20 minutes before the end of the war. I don't think they heard a single shot fired in anger. And up till then, Korea was one nation. It only became a North and South Korea because the Soviets came in like a squatter and homesteaded the North half. Unfortunately, that was during a time when we were in that good old Uncle Joe mood, thinking Stalin was going to turn out to be the gruff old codger with a heart of gold. How about that? One sentence by Brezhnev in a speech on March 21, 1977, and if everybody, especially him, did what he said, peace would come to the world. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. After this brief message, I'll be back with the President's Radio Address from 1979 entitled Palestine. It's fascinating. Stay tuned. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward. Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org give. That's reaganfoundation.org give. Now, back to the radio address written in 1979 entitled Palestine. First, a bit of history. So on May 14, 1948, the State of Israel was created, sparking the first Arab-Israeli war. The war ended in 1949 with Israel's victory, but one and a half million Palestinians were displaced, and those refugees were mostly accommodated in camps in Lebanon. The territory was divided into three parts, the State of Israel, the West Bank of the Jordan River, and the Gaza Strip. 
By the late 1970s, Syria's troops had entered Lebanon in force with the intention to restore order among warring factions, militias, and the Palestinians. The Syrian presence in Lebanon was a crucial issue, and the Israelis wanted the Syrians to withdraw entirely. The United States wanted this too, as did the Lebanese. But that was a complicated issue, and despite the Camp David Accords signed in 1978, turmoil and unrest continued. If their desire was for a state of Palestine, how much do you know about this history? Let's listen to Ronald Reagan in March 1979. One of the most difficult and complex problems in resolving the Middle East situation has to do with the Palestinian refugees. I'll be right back. In all the long and involved negotiations leading to peace between Egypt and Israel, the most unsolvable problem has always seemed to be what can be done for and with the Palestinian refugees. And it's safe to say this problem concerning the fate of one and a half million people is probably the least understood by the American people. Or put another way, it is misunderstood the most. The general assumption is that the refugees, and now they have descendants, were ousted from their homes to make room for the newly created state of Israel. They, their children and their children's children, live in Lebanon in internment camps waiting for the day when they can return to their homeland and again be a nation. I emphasize and underline that word again because that's the key to our misunderstanding. You see, the truth is there never was a nation called Palestine. Palestine was the name of an area populated by a variety of peoples or social groups, Armenians, Kurds, Maronites, Jews, Christians, and others. And that area was under a British mandate. When Israel was created as a nation, carrying out a centuries-old Bible prophecy, its borders enclosed less than 20% of the area called Palestine. When the British, by a single stroke of the pen, created the kingdom of Transjordan, east of the Jordan River, the new kingdom encompassed 80% of the former mandate. The present refugees include some Muslims who voluntarily left Israel, preferring not to be members of the new nation. Some came from Jordan and others from the territories not included in either of the new nations. If there's a bond today we could call nationalism, it could be the result of their common plight as refugees. Or possibly it could simply be that having seen the instant creation of Israel and Jordan, they've said, why not us? There's no common heritage as a people other than their Arab relationship, and they were not at any previous time a nation. One therefore has to wonder if nationalism is a strong force among them, and how many would choose to live in a new Palestinian state. The West Bank of the Jordan, a territory under UN mandate, is proposed as the site of the new nation. But the West Bank is not particularly fertile, nor is it blessed with mineral wealth. It is, however, already heavily populated by Arabs, Jews, and Christians, and there's a very real question as to whether it could absorb a million and a half people. The loudest, most persistent voice for a Palestinian state is that of Yasser Arafat, head of the PLO, Palestine Liberation Organization. He's the leader of terrorist guerrilla bands who have pledged continued violence in the destruction of Israel. The PLO has already assassinated West Bank leaders who might be a threat to Arafat's dream of heading up the new nation. No evidence exists that either he or the PLO is the choice of the refugees. Has any effort been made, and if not, why not, to canvass the refugees and see where the families and individuals would like to live? About 10% are Christians, 90% are Sunni Muslims. Their language is Arabic virtually identical to that spoken in Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. What if the Arab states and Israel were to offer citizenship to any who wanted to emigrate? What if all of us helped to fund such emigration? It might eliminate a vexing problem. It might be worth a try. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.
For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Words to Live By podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of Words to Live By come out every Tuesday. Like what you hear? Check out our A Reagan Forum podcast featuring great speeches delivered at the Reagan Library. New episodes drop every Thursday. And don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook, at Ronald Reagan 40 on Twitter, and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.